The Productive Woman, Episode 161. Hello and welcome to this episode of The Productive Woman. My name is Laura McClellan and this is a podcast dedicated to productivity for busy women. My goal is to help you find the tools and encouragement you need to manage your time, life, stress, and stuff so you can accomplish the things you care about most and make a life that matters. Thanks for joining me. I am excited in this episode to share with you my conversation with university professor, wife, and mom, Beatrice Martin Perez. You'll find more information about Beatrice, along with links to resources she recommends and the various ways you can connect with her online, all in the show notes for this episode at theproductivewoman.com slash 161. This episode is brought to you by SaneBox and by Kind. Kind believes you shouldn't have to choose between your health and taste when it comes to snacking. And that's why both award-winning chefs and nutritionists love and recommend Kind Bars. Kind makes delicious, healthy snacks in the United States using whole ingredients that you can recognize and pronounce, like whole nuts and whole grains. They're gluten-free, low-sodium, and even kosher. If you're ready to try some tasty and healthy snacks, they've offered a special deal for you. If you go to kindsnacks.com slash productive, you can try a pack of 10 different full-size Kind bars for free. You just pay a, a low price for shipping. This free sample box has a variety of, and these are full-size kind snacks, including their pressed fruit bars, their fruit, nut, and chocolate bars, and they've even got a sweet and spicy bar for you to try. I really enjoy the taste of the kind bars that I've tried, um, and I also especially enjoy the convenience of the individually wrapped bars that they that they produce. Um, it makes it really easy for me to toss a couple in my bag when I'm flying somewhere or in my purse if I'm going to be out and about. Um, they're you know very nutrition. Uh, nutrient dense kinds of foods. And so the, uh, one of these bars will hold you until you can get to a meal and they're just, and I think they're really tasty. So visit kindsnacks.com slash productive to get your free sample box. And I thank kind for sponsoring the productive woman. Now let's get right into my conversation with Beatrice. I'm really pleased to introduce to the Productive Woman listeners, Beatrice Martin Perez. Now, Beatrice was born and raised in Madrid, Spain, and went to university in the United States, and now she's an associate professor in civil engineering at the University of Ottawa in Canada. And she's also a wife and a mom and, and basically a busy woman just like the rest of us. I have known Beatrice for a while because we uh, are both members of the Productive Woman community, among other things. But I've really been looking forward to talking with her about how she manages her busy life. So welcome, Beatrice. Thank you, Laura. Thank you for having me. I'm very glad to be here. Well, I'm just delighted that we were finally able to kind of make the schedules work to do this because um, I've been looking forward to sharing a little bit of your journey with the, the listeners and learning a little more about you myself. So I, I've shared a little bit about kind of your background, where you came from and what you've, uh, wh where you are now, but maybe you could give us a little bit more color on that, what, uh, uh, how you ended up getting from Madrid to the United States and then to Canada and, and what that part of your story is about. Okay, well, uh, it was not planned, that's for sure. <laughs> I um, I started studying architecture in Madrid, and uh, I was more of a, uh, an analytical person than a creative person. So after four years of architecture in Spain, six years, I realized that I was I wanted to be more into the engineering side. So at the time, I have my youngest brother was doing high school in Houston, Texas, and there was an exchange program. And I find out that it would take me less years to finish civil engineering in the United States than civil engineering in Spain. And I had the opportunity to go into this exchange program. Then I did well and I got a scholarship. And um, that's how I landed in the United States. Um, 
I did my undergrad at the University of Houston and I met my husband there. And then life was over. <laughs> I was not going back. <laughs> um, my mother was very sad to find out that I have found somebody in North America, but it turned out well for us. We went to graduate school at the University of Toronto in Canada. And uh, we got a job. We had kids. We got married before that. And uh, we end up living here. It was not planned, but uh, uh, we end up having a a good progress, you know, in our careers as well as our lives. So uh, that's kind of the short story. Sure. But I like what I do. Uh, it's not that I, when I say I didn't plan to be here, uh, I feel very fortunate because I did at the end um the studies that I wanted, I got the job that I wanted, and I have a good life, so um, I'm happy to be here. Excellent. And that's, you know, that's a nice ending to that piece of the story. Uh, and you have two children, right? Yeah, I have a, a 17 that is going to turn 18 soon. I just started university this year, and a 14-year-old. Okay. Two boys. Yeah, two boys, uh, teenage boys. That's always fun. Um, and so we're going to talk a little bit about how you have managed to um, stay productive in the sense of kind of balancing or managing a career that has demands of its own with family, being a wife and a mom and those and, and your own personal interests. But I think it's always helpful in understanding what tools and techniques a person uses to stay productive, it's helpful to kind of have some context for that. Um, uh, that is why they choose those things. And so could you maybe, um, if there is such a thing as a typical day for you, share with us briefly what what would a typical day look like for you? Sure. I I usually get up around 6 o'clock, and I'm very consistent about that. Um I'm a morning person, but I'm not a person that can get right away into activity mood. Uh, so usually take 15 to 20 minutes. I have my breakfast and my coffee. And during that time, I, I like to read. Um, usually by myself, I'm the first one who gets up at home. So um, it's kind of a quiet time for me. Um, within those 20 minutes, I have to get dressed, prepare my lunch, because I'm usually out of the house by 7.15 uh, there are days that I start lecturing at 8.30 and with traffic, I, I need at least uh, an hour to get to the university. So um, once I arrive to university, uh, I have a very structured schedule. It's not the same every day because some days I have longer lectures I have on Friday mornings. For instance, I have a three-hour lecture mm. in the morning. Other days I have uh, shorter lectures. I have office hours. I have meetings with my graduate students. I currently have nine graduate students. I have TAs for the courses that I teach. I have the undergraduate students to attend. And as well, I the graduate students that I supervise uh, are part of my research program. So I attend to uh, anything related to my research program as well. And then I'm part of committees uh, as well. So my days uh, go by very quickly. <laughs> um, even though they might be different from one day to the other, but it's always they are always filled with activity and meetings or lecture time or contact with the students. I recently I've been trying to have at least one day a week where I don't schedule anything and I I just leave it for me to do some writing, some reading, some thinking on my work, because I tend to be a person that requires uh, focused time. Um, and I do better also when I don't have a lot of external stimulation. So I need to be by myself uh, to work and produce something that I that I feel good about it. So right, because we, we've talked before, and I guess full disclosure, I know a little bit more about your life than I do maybe uh, uh, some of my guests because we've worked together in a mastermind in the past, and so we've talked about the fact that part of your job as a professor, is to write, to do research and write. And um, that can be a challenge when you also, uh, when you have to balance that against 
the the more public part, I guess, of your work, the things you've been talking about, the committee meetings, the meetings with your graduate students and your TAs and your and and your students. Uh, that's right. Uh, uh, writing uh, is something you have to publish your work, and that's how one gets promoted in academic uh, in academia. But it's not a tangible thing in the sense that it doesn't have a deadline. Uh, it's an internal imposed deadline. So um, uh, you tend to attend to urgent matters uh, like students popping up in your office or or uh, meetings that you have to attend to. But um, I find that if you don't intentionally make the time to write, uh, a year can go by without having published anything. And uh, uh that's that's not good for an academic. So um, the challenge is to find those pockets of time where you can actually write. And obviously, the writing process, uh, you write something submitted that it doesn't get published right away. There are sometimes uh, quite a few rounds of reviews and resubmissions. So, um, um, so it's not as simple as writing a, a paper. That paper might take a couple of years to get published. Mm. Yeah, that's uh, it's uh, it's interesting. I think a lot of of us can can relate it, it to some extent to what you're describing there because there's no specific deadline for that work. It's easy to push it off, and I think a lot of us, although we may not be, you know, university professors who need to do that as part of of advancing in our career, we may have our own interests or things that we want to do that are important to us, but don't are not urgent, don't have an externally imposed deadline. And so it's, it's easy to push that off when something else or somebody else comes along asking for our time. That, that's correct. And I find uh, one of the things is our also research cycle is uh, longer time. It's not a few months or a, even one year. At least in Canada, the uh, funding agencies usually go every five years. So you would have to apply for a research grant every five years. And one thing is very deceiving because you think you have a lot of time to do lots of things, graduates, lots of students and publish lots of papers. And when your cycle finished, you realize, oh, what have I done? Now I have to start. Uh, uh, it is it is something that you have to keep up every day. Otherwise, time can go by and uh, not have anything to show for. Um, so, yeah, one has to be intentional yeah. about it. Very, very much so. Very much so. So, um you know, every person's life is a little different and pre- presents different challenges as far as staying productive and getting those things done that really matter. Um, I know that you're a very intentional, very thoughtful person, and you have created systems and plans for, for the various things that you need to do. But what would you say are your biggest challenges when it comes to managing your life and, and getting the things done that matter most to you? Oh, I have so many, Laura. I don't know where to start. <laughs> uh, saying no. Mm. Uh, I like, uh, I'm a, I suffer from a people-pleasing uh, disease. <laughs> <laughs> and I used to be worse when I was younger. Now I'm very aware of it. And uh, I, before I say anything, I always tell to myself, you have to consult with your pillow. <laughs> So uh, I, I think it over, but saying no is a big thing. It's a big challenge, uh, and I'm trying to teach myself to intentionally say yes when I want to do it, and also when I can do it. Because sometimes we want to do things, but we have so many things on our plate that we think we can do it, and uh, and the fact is that we cannot do everything either. So uh, saying no is a big one. I, another one that I would say is I have a, a perfectionist tendency. So, for instance, when I work on my research writing or even with my students uh, in their thesis, I tend to uh, to always think that it can be better. Uh, and first, that doesn't, I, again, I have to challenge myself that enough is enough uh, in the sense that I can't just release work without being it perfect because it would never be perfect. So I have to remind me of that. Um, 
but also that tends not to delegate enough to other people because I think that I can do it and perhaps I can do it better. I don't know, it's also deceiving myself because I work with very talented people. So, um, but there is, a, there is a perfectionist tendency there that is not, is not conducive to productive work. On the contrary, it hinders your productivity. Yeah, yeah, because you're you're doing things that somebody else could do, which takes away f- time from those things that only you can do. That's right, and it also uh, makes you do things over and over because you think they are not ready. Mm. And uh, writing, for instance, I could just go over. Uh, a section of a paper and rewrite it and rewrite it because I think I didn't get the latest reference or it's not properly written. English is not my mother tongue, so I usually tend to uh, massage things a lot because I want to get it perfect. But, but again, nothing is perfect, right? So, um, and so, so how? That, uh, yeah, how do you? Um, how have you been able to get yourself to the point to where you will turn a paper loose as one example of where those perfectionist tendencies could literally keep you from ever getting anything submitted? How, how do you get past that? Well, uh, I tell myself, that's it, I finish. Uh, if I have reviewed it two times or I ask somebody else to review it, I'm not going to review it a third time. I just submit it and hit the submit button. Mm. And then... Let it go. <laughs> I force myself to do that. And uh, I'm finding uh, it's working better now. I used to be worse when I was younger. Again, age gives you a lot of wisdom and perspective, <laughs> <laughs> which is a good thing. And, um, uh, you know, you tend to work more with yourself instead of against yourself. So, um, yeah, I just, it's kind of a split personality that I have up there telling me, one of them telling me to submit, the other one telling me perhaps I could do another review, but I, I'm making the, um, the non-perfectionist uh, stronger than the other one. I just let it go. Yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you set deadlines for yourself, you know, for at least for the research and, and the paper, the, the, the writing that you do? Uh, I've been uh, this for the last few months. I've been extremely intentional about that. I think you know, you know a little bit of uh, of it. Um, I found uh, my end of my five cycle uh, grant was last year. I applied uh, for renewal and I actually got it, but not without a lot of anxiety because uh, certain things happened in my personal life that prevented me from uh, being very productive. And um, I realized once that I got it that uh, now I'm at the point of my life that it doesn't matter if I don't. It's not that it does not matter if I don't attend to students, but perhaps I do it too much. And it's okay to have time for myself. And now it's, it's me, the one that I have to attend to, which means writing those papers to get a promotion. At the end, what I want to is be promoted to full professor. So... Um, yeah, I'm just turning myself more inward, whereas I've always tried to please other people. Or um, it's, it's a little bit that I tend to attend more to external um, demands than more than my internal demands. And I'm teaching myself that uh, what is good for me right now is the writing and the research. And that's what I'm focus my, focusing my time on. So uh, I'm becoming more intentional, but I struggle over the the time that I've been a professor and and I think now I'm at a point of my life when I can't really focus on it. Yeah. Uh, it it's it's interesting. I think a lot of us um as women and I know men listen to the podcast as well and and struggle with the same thing to varying degrees, but certainly a lot of us as women tend can tend to sort of sacrifice our own interests for to take care of other people, um, whether it's in your case students or you know for the rest of us, our our clients or our family or whatever, it, our friends, uh, it's something I think a lot of us as women struggle with that we have something that we want to do or that we you know we've made a decision to do for our 
our personal growth or for our professional advancement, but we'll, we'll put that to the side when someone else comes to us with a need. And um, one of the things that I've really admired about you over the time that we work together and that I've known you is that you have been so aware of that and intentional about looking for ways to take care of the people that need taking care of without sacrificing um, your future as, as a professional. Uh, that's right. I, um, I, I got all this education and then I started having kids. And like any of your listeners, many, I, I read comments in the uh, productive uh, woman community uh, Facebook group. Uh, they struggle with balancing work and personal life and with kids. I did dedicate myself to my kids. My husband has a very demanding job as well. And uh, because we were away from extended family, I wanted my kids to to have their parents present. So their mother was constantly present. And um, I found that, uh, not to say that my husband was not around, he was around, but he was more attending his job. And I would if I needed to work long hours, I would sacrifice my sleep um, instead of staying at the office. Um, I don't regret it, to be honest. I enjoy my kids' childhood. And and then as my kids have grown, they are now teenagers and they have their own lives. Um, uh, we had this uh, unfortunate event that my husband uh, got sick last year. He uh, was diagnosed with cancer. And uh, again, when you have somebody that you love that is sick, I I forget about my papers. <laughs> I have to, uh, uh, the priority, I mean, we all talk about a life that matters and a life that matters that the people around you and, and even yourself, your health is, is good and the people around you are also well. Uh, so when that is not there, uh, it doesn't matter how many promotions or how prestigious your job is um really what matters that he he was taken care of and it was a scary time for him as well as myself uh so it was important that um, that i i was there present with him so yeah and that but again that's an example of being very intentional about that choice that is within the values that I have. And I see again with many, like you, you yourself, or many of the women that I've talked uh, um, that go through similar uh, life cycles that I have gone through. Um, at the end of the day, uh, you know, your husband, your partner, your kids, or your parents, or your friends are really the ones that matter. I always think that if I die tomorrow, the university is not going to miss me, <laughs> but my my husband, my kids, my colleagues might miss me. But the system itself, where I, the employer, where I work, they can replace me. So, but people themselves, the individuals, are not replaceable, right? So, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Mm, that's non-negotiable for me. <laughs> and and I th- and I admire the fact that you know that and you lived your life that way you have chosen you know to be aware of what your values are and to and to make your decisions based on those values so you did have you know a challenging time over the last year with you've got teenage boys you've got a career uh you've got uh, then you know your family is distant your extended family is distant from you and your husband became ill as you were telling us were there any systems or tools that you use to sort of manage all of that to to do what needed to be done during those times? Well, uh, it was difficult, and I don't think uh, uh, you learn as you go. Mm-hmm. Um, I found at the beginning it was a very, I, was, I felt a stress overwhelmed because I had this full-time job. Uh, uh, we got a diagnosis in the middle of the semester. I was teaching two courses, one of them over 100 students. So it was quite demanding, uh, the workload that I had. And this is just my teaching. I had the graduate students and the rest as well. 
as well, as well as like you're saying, two teenagers. So you also worry that the the news that their father is sick is not going to affect them because they are at a critical time in their lives. Um, at the beginning, again, the priority was to look after my husband to make sure not only not only attending to the things that he needed, but also from an emotional point of view, because it's also a scary time for somebody that is diagnosed with a disease that we all have this idea of cancer as being a bad thing. And we all know somebody that has died of cancer. So when when you get into this world, uh, you always think the worst. Um, I have to say that uh, we have a lot of technological advances as well as medical advances that uh, have demystified the word cancer for me now because I know it better. But when you don't know it, there's always fear. So um, to me, it was very important to make sure that my husband was feeling emotionally strong and that he felt there was somebody with him in it, that it was not him just having this disease, but I was with him. So when I made that decision, I, even though I was overwhelmed with the amount of work I had, I realized that some things I had to I had to let them go. And a lot of things fell through the cracks. I was not as responsive or as on top of things as I like to be. But I had to realize that that was that that had to be that way. I also disclosed it with my uh, chair in the department. Uh, as I got the news, uh, because even though I'm not required to be at the office every day, I like to be every day. And at the time, I was the associate chair of my department, so I had a lot of administrative duties too. But there, there were days that I had to be in the hospital, so I told my chair that um, if I was not in the office, I would be in the hospital or at home uh, looking after my husband. And if he needed something, to please send me an email or call me. So I had to have this conversation with him um, to make sure that he knew that, uh, you know, I was I was there to whatever he needed, but I was not going to be physically present all the time. And he was very understanding. I think uh, we all relate when we go through these things. And um, and that gave me a lot of peace of mind, to be honest. I think that that's good advice for all of us when there's a, a crisis of whatever kind that's going to impact our ability to be uh, present in one area of our life, um, be, communicating with the people who are affected by it becomes really important to To let them know this is what I can do, this is what I can't do, this is what it means if I'm not there, um, and and just to have those conversations. And I'm I'm grateful. I'm glad to know that your your chair was uh, understanding and supportive of you in that time. Yeah, and my colleagues too. I have few colleagues. I, I didn't go to tell everybody, but a few people I work with closely, I mentioned it to them and they were all very, very supportive. And uh, what I found is that every time I would disclose it for whatever reason I decided at that moment to disclose it, everybody always reached out to me. I I didn't get a person saying, oh, you should be doing this uh, or I, I don't know. I found everybody was really um, wonderful in that sense. Um, that doesn't mean that I didn't have to do the job. Of course, I still went to my lectures and do everything, but uh, it makes you feel better uh, to understand that other people uh, are with you. And if you need to ask for help, they are there for you. So Yeah. And that can be hard for a lot of us to 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 ask for help when we're used to being the one who gives the help. Um, so that's, it, it can be humbling and it can be, a, you know, a, a real growing experience to learn that sometimes you, you need to reach out and other people will be there. Yeah. Um, it's, it's funny because uh, now that I reflect back, uh, um, my husband is a little bit like me in the sense that he wants to do everything himself and he didn't want to disclose uh, this to anybody. And 
I obviously I had to respect his wishes, but I found that it made me feel better when I disclosed it to the people close to me, mm-hmm. and that uh, and that uh, you know it was okay. It, just the fact that people knew that I was going through a hard time, even though I didn't ask them, but the fact that I could ask them for help if I need to. Yeah. Um, it was good. And I had a close friend of mine that lives nearby. Uh, bless her heart. She was every week with dinner ready for us. Mm. I didn't even ask her because she knows me that I wouldn't ask her. But she would come here with our dinner ready. The, the weeks that uh, my husband would be in chemo and we would come from uh, the hospital, we had dinner ready thanks to my friend. So... I I hold uh, her actions dear, dear, close to my heart. Uh, she was really uh, something. So, you know, good friends always come through uh, without even asking. Yeah. I feel fortunate. Very much so. So how is your husband now? He's, he's actually doing very well. He responded very well to the treatment. Um, he finished his chemo in July and he had a couple of, weeks ago some tests and um, everything's good and he's he's due in this i think december or january for another test so now he has to go through these medical revisions for the next five years he has a good survival rate for the next five years so uh, I'm focusing on the positive number, not on the other mm-hmm. uh, remaining number up to 100. Uh, he has. A, they told him that his treatment increased. It was from 60% to 80%. So I'm mm-hmm. focusing 80% is a good number. That's a good number. Um, yes. Uh, so he's doing very well. We are very grateful that he's doing well. Yeah, I, I'm sure. And I'm I'm glad to hear that. So... So now um, he's doing better. You've got one son starting university, another one still in high school, and you are focusing on your, you know, your writing, your research, doing the things you need to do um, for your career. But still you have commitments and, and things that you want, want and need to do with your family and, and for your own personal interests. What what are the what are the things you use to sort of manage all of that to keep track of your commitments, um, and and the things that you need to get done? Are you a paper person, a digital person? Well, I'm a paper person. I've always had a paper planner. I'm good with technology. I use my Outlook calendar or. A, a, Google Calendar as well, but I always find that I go back to my paper planner. I can visualize better my week. I can see uh, the days that are very busy or how can I schedule meetings. Uh, It's just a way that I relate to it better. Um, but recently, uh, you were the one who introduced me to Todoist uh, uh, because I needed a system where I could capture all the tasks that I had to do, and I used to to write it on my paper planner, all the things that I had to do. I use Outlook calendar in, in at work. So I would flag also any email requests and things from me. But because of last year, I was also a little bit of in a haze. Uh, I, even though I was trying to do my job mentally, um, I was not as focused as I had wished. Uh, I found that a lot of things were falling through the cracks, so I needed a system to manage uh, all my tasks. And I started using Todoist. I have been very consistent, and I, I and I guess any uh, task manager would do the same job. Uh, this is the one that I started choosing uh, to to use, and I and it's working well. For me, I can plan uh, the two to four tasks that I do a day. I'm, I'm learning not to be too ambitious. And um, I, I can track very easily things that need to be done uh, or things that are um, due in the next seven days and that I had to get uh, working on them if I haven't started. So, um, and I'm, I'm, I'm putting also my personal uh, task there too. So I have compiled everything on that system. 
Yeah, I mean, Todoist is a great tool, but you're you're absolutely right. Any any tool will work if you use it consistently, and that's that's the trick. You find something that you like, the look of it, the aesthetic of it, the and you know whether it's paper, digital, whatever. Find something that looks good to you that that works the way you think, and then just be consistent about using it, and you will get the results that you're looking for. And so I, I still use Todoist. I use OmniFocus for everything except my law practice. Uh, I use Todoist for my law practice, and that works well for me. I, I, I like the look of it. It's got kind of a clean-looking interface, not a lot of um, frou-frou in it. <laughs> That's the technical term, frou-frou. Uh, I was going to that. What I like is that you can access it from your desktop, from your uh, mobile device, from your phone. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that has been really um, the good thing for me that I can know anywhere that I am, what is it that has been done or I need to do or is coming up. Yeah, yeah. that And that's important. And when you have commitments in various physical locations, um, it's real helpful to have something that you can access from wherever you happen to be. So, and again, whether it's Todoist or something else, um, having something like that that's convenient to use and that works for the way you think is pretty much key. You know, I'm going to ask you, you've had, you've had some of these days. So, you know, the question that I ask every guest, I'm going to, <laughs> going to ask you too. I know you've had some of these days. You've shared a little bit about those, but even now, um, as things have sort of settled down and you're, you're able to get some of the things that you felt were slipping through the cracks back, back on track, and you've set up systems and routines and, and um, made time for yourself. And you talked about set, trying to set aside a day where you don't have appointments and that sort of thing. Even with those systems and those tools and all the things that you've learned and that you're doing, do you ever have a day when it all gets away from you, you get, or you get just completely stressed out and overwhelmed? And if so, what do you do to get back on track when you have a day like that? Well, I'm going to answer like many of your previous guests. I do have many of the many of those days. Um, I I've actually found that uh, those days come when I don't plan my day, uh, so I can prevent it. I usually um, can prevent it if I plan or I know what's coming up during the day. But it's true that some days turn out to be busier or or more things pop up that you could plan. Uh, for so I usually what I do uh, is um, try to stop and breathe focus on my breath I I started meditating this past year because it would help me to face the things that I was facing and I noticed that I can relax my body when you feel overwhelmed you usually tense up and if you just go back and start breathing um somehow you relax your body and then you can start thinking uh, with a more focused uh, uh, way. Uh, I Sometimes I go to the bathroom and I just splash my face with water for the same reasons. I, it's a physical way of, for me to uh, to feeling refreshed and uh, my body relaxing and then I can start thinking. And I plan. So if things get uh, out of uh you know, everything is chaotic. I just see, okay, what is it that it really needs to be done today? And I try to accomplish those. Um, I also find that if I have many of those days, it's because I'm, I tend to be more reactive and I tend to be more reactive when I'm not um, uh, well rested. So I try to focus on my sleep as well. It's, a, it's kind of counterintuitive that you have lots of things to do, but if you take the time to plan or to sleep well, then you'll be able to do them. That's so true. It's so hard, so much harder to cope with anything when you're not rested. Um, and it becomes this sort of vicious cir- cycle where, you know, you're you're not getting sleep and you're not coping well because you're not rested, you're not able to think as clearly, 
uh, you get behind and so you stay up late trying to get things done and, and it just kind of perpetuates itself. So I think that's a real wise reminder to to take that time to breathe and to be aware that getting some rest, um, while it may seem like you don't have time, it that's probably the time that it becomes most important. Yeah. It's, it's actually a very productive time. Yes, I agree. Because <laughs> if you're rested, you can think properly. When we are tired, we tend to tell these stories to ourselves that we cannot do it, that we are overwhelmed, that there is so many things. And what are people going to say if we don't do it? And and it's all, you know, lies. I don't know if lies or, or stories we are telling to ourselves and we believe them. And it's just simply fatigue, right? Taking over. Yeah, yes. So a good nap is a good thing, a very yeah. productive thing to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so Beatrice, what, what's coming up for you? What's on the horizon for you, um, whether personally, professionally, anything you're excited about, looking forward to that you could share? Well, uh, professionally, I'm focusing on my writing. This is uh, the year that I, I made this, uh, my really... Uh, focus at work. I have joined um, a support group, a writing support group uh, at the university. Uh, basically, it's an accountability group uh, where we have to write at least 15 minutes a day. Mm. Uh, my goal is to write at least one Pomodoro a day, so 25 minutes. Uh-huh. And uh, we meet every Monday and we have to tell each other whether we have written or not. So it's, it's a good thing. It's working for me. And I think... Uh, it's, it's also good to know that other people are struggling with the same challenges that one has because um, it, you are not alone, right? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so that's on the professional side. On the personal side, uh, I'm right now enjoying my family, as you can imagine, but I um, I am planning, if, I, if the time is right in the spring, to, um, to walk... Uh, the Camino de Santiago in the north of Spain. This is one of the bucket list items that I had that someday I will do it. And talking to a friend this past summer, uh, she mentioned why one day, why not next spring? And I thought, that's right. So um, we are going to do it together. We are planning for that. And this, and this is called, I'm sorry, it was called what? Camino de Santiago. This is a pilgrimage uh, oh. that one of the, it says that one of the disciples of Christ did uh, in the north of Spain, and he's buried uh, in Santiago de Compostela. is a, a city on the northwest of Spain, just above Portugal, and uh, there are pilgrimage routes in the Middle Ages that uh, there is a lot of. Romanesque architecture and uh, it's very very nice to go uh, through. It has been very popular in the last 20-30 years. A lot of people from all over the world do it, and not necessarily for religious reasons, but uh, just to um, to walk is uh, well, it's probably around 500 kilometers. Uh, some people do the entire thing, or they maybe take 10 days a year for five years to do it, mm. uh, but the uh, is you know you walk maybe ten to twenty kilometers a day uh, and then rest and the following day you go until you reach uh, Santiago de Compostela. Um, yeah, it's uh, I always wanted to do it and uh, why not? I'm going to do it. <laughs> why, not? why not now? I, I love it that your friend encouraged you to to put a date to it. So that's wonderful. Well, yes. Be- Beatrice, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me and share a little bit about your story, what, you know, the things that you're doing and the the approaches you're taking to getting the things done that matter to you. Um, it may be that somebody who's listening uh, m- might relate to some of the things that you've shared with us. Is there a way that somebody can get in touch with you? I know you're not a huge social media person, um, you're on Facebook, right? I am on Facebook. I am a member of the Productive uh, Woman Community Facebook group. And um, I have uh, 
my email address I provided you with my academic website. Okay. <laughs> it's not really a, a, a website for everybody because it's very academic, but uh, y- you can find me at the University of Ottawa website and uh, I'll be happy to uh, get in touch with anybody that wants to talk to me. Yeah. All right. And I'll be sure and share those things in the show notes. So um, before we go, uh, any any last words for the listener who might be hearing the things that we've talked about and maybe looking for some help, some encouragement in their journey toward getting the things done and that they care about and, and making a life that matters? What would you say to that listener? Well, I would tell them that sometimes we define success, whether it's in our personal life or professional life, uh, by comparison to others. And I think uh, we should define it in our own terms. I, I have reflected that upon my own profession, what it means to be a successful professor. And uh, in my case, I think if I define it on my own terms, I would be more satisfied with with my job and with my life. Um, and I think it applies to any other uh, profession or any other life. Uh, uh, yeah, to, to define success by your own terms, not by comparing yourself to others. I, you know, I couldn't say it any better myself. That's a, those are wise words for us all to think about and a great way to, to end this. Thank you so much, Beatrice, for, for talking with us today. My pleasure, Laura. I really enjoyed talking to you. I really appreciate Beatrice for taking the time to share her life with us a little bit. She is not a public person. She's just a university professor and a mom who was willing to come and talk to me a little bit about how she has managed to kind of juggle things, the kinds of things that you heard her talk about. And so I very much appreciate that uh, and the wisdom that she shared, her encouraging words for the rest of us. But what do you think? Do you have any questions for Beatrice or for me? Uh, Any thoughts on the things that we talked about? We would love to hear from you. You can share your questions or your comments in the comment section of the show notes for this episode at theproductivewoman.com slash 161 or post a comment or question in the Productive Woman Community Facebook group. Beatrice is a member there and she would be happy to interact with you in that group. If you're not already a member of the community Facebook group, this is a place for women who listen to this podcast to interact on a more, you know, back and forth way to share ideas, share encouragement, um, ask questions, get, get uh, feedback on ways of making a life that matters. And so I'd love to have you there. If you're a woman who listens to this podcast, just go to the productivewoman.com slash group and click on the join button. Be sure to answer the questions so that I know you're a real person. Um, uh, if you want to share your thoughts about this episode with me, privately or get a message to Beatrice, you can email your questions, comments, or suggestions to me at feedback at theproductivewoman.com. And if it's a question for Beatrice, I'll make sure she gets it. And I know she she offered to um, answer questions or interact. She'd love to hear from you as well. So I look forward to hearing from you. I want to take a moment to say thank you to SaneBox, one of our new sponsors. Um, this is a service that I have used for several months. Uh, you know, I paid for this. They before they came came around to be a sponsor, I signed up for their fourteen day trial, and before the trial ended, I knew I was going to need this service. And I think I paid for a full year subscription right out of the box. Um, What it does is it creates places, um, folders to put any of your sort of non-urgent, non-important emails into the SANE Later folder is awesome. Now, I like the SANE News folder. This is one that it, it where it'll put all those e-newsletters you get, pulls them out of your inbox and puts them into this folder 
that you can look at on your own time instead of having them kind of clutter up your, your inbox and make you feel like you've got more emails to respond to than you actually do. I really like that. Um, I just try to go in once a day and look and see who I've heard from and which ones I need to take time to read and, and, uh, try to go through most of them like on a Saturday when I've got a little bit of spare time or if I'm sitting at the airport, I'll read newsletters. The Sane Later folder um, is another one of the kind of standard SaneBox folders that pulls those emails that are not that urgent, not that important, puts them aside, takes them out of your inbox, leaving only the emails in your inbox that are really important to you. Don't ask me how it knows. They just know they that somehow it's able to sort of know which senders you respond to that you that seem to be important to you. And it has the ability to learn over time. If if something gets into your inbox that's not an important one, you can just drag it over to that Sane Later folder. And then, then SaneBox knows, okay, from now on when it, she gets an email from that you know, that email address, it should go into the same later folder or vice versa. When you check the same later folder, if you see something in there that is important, you just drag it out into your inbox and SaneBox learns. And the more you use it, the better it gets. You can um, snooze emails to, to pop back into your inbox later, um, set reminders, all kinds of things. It just really makes email way less overwhelming. It leaves only the most important emails in my inbox while putting the others away to be dealt with on my schedule. Um, and so they offer a 14 day free trial that anybody can do. But if you sign up for the 14 day free trial using the exclusive link that they've given me, which is sanebox.com slash TPW for the productive woman. And I'll put a link in the show notes where they, you can just click on but it's https colon slash slash www.sanebox.com slash tpw. Um, you can sign up for the free 14 day trial there. Uh, I don't, you don't have to give a credit card or anything at that point. You can just try it out. And if while like me, while you're doing the trial, you realize, no, this is something I'm going to want. You can automatic, you will automatically have a $20 credit applied to your account on top of the 14 day free trial. So no coupon code or anything. Just use that link. Um, that way they know I, that you heard about it from me and, um, that makes them happy for having sponsored the podcast and you get that free trial for 14 days and a $20 credit when you buy. Uh, so definitely check it out. It's been a game changer for me. And I want to say thank you both to SaneBox and to Kind for su supporting the productive woman. And that is it for this episode of The Productive Woman. Thank you once again for spending this time with me and with Beatrice. I hope you found something in it that encouraged you, that inspired you to maybe you know, do something new in your life, um, something that helped you in some way. I look forward to talking with you again very soon. So until next time, remember, extend grace to each other and to yourself. Go make your life matter. The Productive Woman is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to help you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx.